0: It reminded me, though, of the camp of Israel. Though they stood at their tent door while Moses went in, saw the Shekinah glory cloud come down, when Moses met with the Lord, they still had great distance between themselves and the Lord. Those who wanted to draw near to God had to go outside the camp. There are many in our world today that... They believe in God, but they still have a great distance between themselves and the God that they say that they believe in.
1: You're looking too far for that need you have. from God's Word.
0: life. We can get rid of pain and get of All you do is let go, and let go Well, here in the book of Exodus, we find ourselves tonight in Exodus 33 and 34. And, and we've just last week learned about the golden calf, and here we come into the aftermath. Of that and we learn a couple of significant things that in chapter 33 the importance of staying near and this has to do with Joshua and also Moses but mainly I pull that title from Joshua and his response in his own life as a young man and how he uh, approached the Lord and also that we are too in chapter 34 And this has to do with Moses, but for us as well, to reflect the glory of God in our lives. So first of all, looking at Exodus 33, I titled this chapter, Staying Near. And I didn't put a a key verse in my notes. I usually do. But I did not get to that, but I know what that key verse is. And just take me a moment to find it. Exodus 33, verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. And so I chose for Exodus 33, verse 11, even though it's not in my notes, as a key verse and really pinpointing Joshua not departing from the tabernacle, taking from that the title of this chapter, Staying Near. We begin in verses 1 through 6. We discover that Israel, God calls them for a second time now, a stiff-necked people. In verses 1 through 3, we read, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart, and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt and to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Parasites and the Hivite and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So this is just following the rebellion of the golden calf where they had made and took their earrings and their jewelry, and Aaron took them, melted them down, and then, according to Aaron's word, out came this golden calf. But they had... In the 40 days of Moses' absence when he was up on Mount Sinai receiving from the Lord the Ten Commandments and some of the other laws of God and also the instructions on how they should build the tabernacle of God, they rebelled against the Lord, and now punishment was coming. God commanded Moses, along with Israel, to depart, to go to the land flowing with milk and honey. Yet because of their rebellion, God said, I will not go up in the midst of you, but I will send my angel before you. God would no longer dwell with them, as he said here, because you are a stiff-necked people. It's actually two Hebrew words that form the stiff-necked people that it refers to stubbornness, And that neck part refers to the back of the neck. And so it gives that idea of a yoke of oxen, an ox, or even a horse. (laughs) Thinking of uh, our neighbors just south of the church having two horses that often like to come and visit the churchyard. And uh, I had learned through the years that I would just walk over to one of the horses. Usually if I would lead one of the horses, the other would follow, and I could bring them back to the property. Usually it was some delivery person just leaving the gate open when they came, not realizing that there were two horses out there. It could have been dangerous for the cars driving by, but I had learned that, you know, I'm not going to push a horse around, but I could take my uh, belt. I, Unlike a lot of the kids today, I always wear a belt, comes in handy when you want to lead a horse. Take the belt off, put it through its bridle, and just lead him back over. But uh, there was one day where the horse was not going to move. And so I did not bring him home because he decided that, nope, I like the grass over here at Calvary Chapel better than in our field. And he was stubborn about it. He was not going to move, and what am I going to do against a large animal like that? So the stiff-necked also, I read from commentary some 14 to 18 times, they said that it appears in the Bible. The actual wording of stiff-necked doesn't appear that many times, but the Hebrew words that it comes from, and also we have Greek words that they come from as well. We do find it in Acts 7.51 when Stephen is talking about the Israelis of his day saying, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised of heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. And then Hebrews 3, eight, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. That's not technically stiff-necked, but it's talking about the hardness of their hearts as in the day of trial in the wilderness. And that was the condition of the people. They had hard hearts toward the Lord. They became a stiff-necked people. They did not want to do what the Lord had called them to do, even though they pledged to the Lord that they would do all that he commanded. So he said, I'm going to send my angel. That first was introduced to us in Exodus 23, 23. For my angel will go before you and bring you in to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Parasites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and Jebusites, and I will cut them off. So my angel, it's already been introduced to us 10 chapters ago, and he repeats it again here and did repeat it again in chapter 32, verse 34, and now repeats it again here in our text that in verse 2, that I'll send my angel before you and God pledged to send his angel before them to make them victorious over their enemies. Some believe that perhaps this is referring to an angelic being like Michael and we read a lot about Michael in Daniel 10:13 Michael one of the chief princes. Daniel 10:21 No one upholds me against you. This is Gabriel speaking. So the angel Gabriel Talking to Daniel saying, no one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Now he's not saying to Daniel individually, but the nation of Israel. That Michael is the prince, the angelic prince over Israel. Daniel 12.1, at that time, Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And we even know that Michael was around during the wilderness wanderings because Jude 9 tells us, Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against Satan a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So according to the New Testament, Jude 9, Michael was there. He contended at the end of the 40 years for the body of Moses. But personally, I believe that this is Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.4 that all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Paul lets us know that while Jude says that Michael was there in the wilderness contending against Satan... Paul lets us know that Jesus was there in the wilderness providing for the children of Israel. So verses 4 through 6, And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned. No one put on his ornaments. And the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. Uses that phrase again. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their jewelry there by Mount Horeb. So after Moses told the people that God would no longer go up with them, that he was going to send his angel before them, hearing this news, they mourned, they stripped themselves of the jewelry that they had on, and this was at the command of God, that they would kind of uh, take the pride out. I was thinking about the ornaments, the jewelry. We were reminded by a social media post that we're 10 days away from our granddaughter getting married this morning. And, uh, you know, I'm going to put a nice suit on that day. I probably won't wear my casual watch. I'll wear a nicer watch than that. and I already got my hair cut for it, so we're getting ready for the occasion but you put on nice clothing with a sense of pride but there is no pride in disobeying God there was the stripping away strip off your ornaments strip off your jewelry with their jewelry they had actually used some of that jewelry to in their disobedience to the Lord so there's no pride in disobeying God. Some people are proud to disobey God, but ultimately it will not pay for them. In Proverbs 16:5 it says, Everyone proud in the heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. They will one day get their due. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Verse 19, better to be of a humble spirit with the the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. So their sins had separated themselves from God, who had redeemed them from the bondage of Egypt. And so God now, we will learn, will set up outside of the camp. The tent of meeting would be outside of the camp. God said, I'll no longer be in your midst. Their sins had separated them from God. Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins has hidden his face from you that he will not hear. So God is still going to do a work. And we find that Israel had a great intercessor in Moses. Now, verse 7. Moses took his tent, he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting that was outside the camp. So while the tabernacle would be being constructed, and God would have the regulations of where the tabernacle, where ultimately the temple would be, in the nation of Israel. But while that was being prepared, and they haven't even had a chance to start that yet, Moses pitched his tent far out from the camp, called it the tabernacle of meeting. And not only did he go and meet with the Lord there, but anyone who wanted to meet with the Lord would go out to the tent. The nation had joined together in disobedience against the Lord. But within the nation, there were individuals who would take the long journey outside of the camp to spend time with the Lord. We live in a nation where I believe that it could also be said that the majority of the nation, they've joined together in disobedience against the Lord. But within the nation, there are still individuals who desire to seek the Lord. The Lord said in Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, Seek me, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So seek the Lord while he may be found. When Moses went out to the tent and the people arose, the Bible tells us, as we pick up just summarizing verses 8 through 11, Moses would go out to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle of meeting. Each man then would stand at his tent door until Moses entered the tent. And once inside, the pillar of cloud would descend and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And there Moses talked with God, and the Lord talked with Moses. And when it happened that each man there went in his tent, that he worshiped, And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So this is really a a glorious scene. It reminded me, though, of the camp of Israel, though they stood at their tent door while Moses went in, saw the Shekinah glory cloud come down, when Moses met with the Lord, they still had great distance between themselves and the Lord. Those who wanted to draw near to God had to go outside the camp. And There are many in our world today that they believe in God, but they still have a great distance between themselves and the God that they say that they believe in. But Moses, able to be with the Lord, not literally face-to-face in the sense we'll learn in the next chapter, that even in this chapter at the end of it, that Moses technically could not see the face of God. He would only get to see, in Exodus 34, the back or the afterglow of God as he would pass him by. But this is really expressing a sense of the intimacy that Moses had with the Lord, as if he was face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. Now, you've got to understand that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, so when I read Deuteronomy 34.10, where he says, since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, he was kind of writing that about himself. But it was true, whom the Lord knew face to face. But Deuteronomy 5.4, again it says, the Lord talks with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. Moses reminds the second generation that came out of Egypt as they were preparing to enter into the promised land. The first generation, they died in the wilderness, but their children would enter into the promised land. And God reminded many of those children, those who are 20 years old and under, who had seen the Lord there at Mount Sinai when he descended upon the mountain, Moses said, the Lord talked to you face to face. Now, they didn't literally see the face of God, but it speaks about the intimacy that even the children of Israel had with God. However, at this point, their sins, their iniquities had separated them from God. He had hid his face from them. And although the people, they did not desire to draw near to God, they respected Moses And they worship God from afar while Moses talked with the Lord face to face. It's always a dangerous thing to worship God from afar. Before you know it, you'll not be worshiping God at all. Well, I'm going to hold it off right there for the nights. And in two weeks, Lord willing, we'll pick up in Exodus chapter 34. But Joshua, in the second half of Exodus thirty-three eleven, his servant Joshua, while Moses would return back to camp, Moses went out, verse 11, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, but he returned to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. Joshua's name meant Jehovah is salvation. And he had already proven himself in Exodus 17 as being a great warrior for Israel. And in Exodus 24, he was an assistant to Moses. And when Moses went up on the Mount Sinai to meet with the Lord and fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Joshua was the only one that went partway up that mountain with him and was commanded to wait and he waited while israel was in rebellion making the golden calf down in the camp joshua was halfway up that mountain thinking that there was war in the camp he didn't know what was going on but he was near joshua in numbers 11:28 He's called one of Moses' choice men. Numbers 13 and 14, Joshua and Caleb stood alone. and When the 12 spies went into the promised land, only Joshua and Caleb stood against all the people and said, let's go up. If the Lord's given us the land, let's go up into the land. And in Numbers 27:19, Moses would lay hands on Joshua, inaugurate him as the next leader in Israel. In Deuteronomy 34, 9, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. As a young man, Joshua had courage and strength of sword. He stayed near to the Lord and to the Lord's prophet. He dwelt at the tent of the Lord. He was always hanging out at the church. Through the life of Joshua, we see that discipline sometimes takes time. And it's important to stay near to the Lord and to God's chosen leaders. We must be filled with the Spirit of God, and we must find our strength and our courage from the Lord. So that one little verse speaks so much to me when I think about the life of Joshua. Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. No wonder God did so much with this man's life. So let's go ahead and stand together, and we will ask God to bless our evening. Father, once again, I just want to lift up this nation, Lord, who there are so many hurting in this nation, Lord, and so much happening in our world. It's hard to really understand sometimes all the things that are coming so quickly, much like Job and back-to-back calamities, tragedies, coming upon our nation and then individuals within the nations. Lord, I'm sure we've all had similar thoughts of parents who had said goodbye to their children yesterday in the morning and maybe planning what their evening would look like, the sports they would go to or the after-school activities or even just coming home for dinner or a special meal out. And many of these parents, Lord, not being able to do that and then brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and grandparents and friends and family members and the whole community. Lord, our nation is hurting. It's hurting whether we're talking about families over in Buffalo, New York, or Laguna Woods in California, or there in Texas. Father, Help us to learn that through worship comes healing. And also tonight, Lord, learning from Exodus 33, the importance of staying near. Help us to be like Joshua, who just desired to stay near, even though he couldn't enter into the tabernacle of meeting properly. He had to stay outside. He was near to your presence, Lord. And then also Moses, Lord, who repeated that since I have found grace in your sight, show me your glory that I would know that I found grace in your sight. He, he just wanted more from you, Lord. He sought more. Help us, Lord, to have that kind of hunger to experience your glory, to know your presence, to realize that you know us by name, that we have received your grace and mercy through faith in Jesus Christ, but Lord, that we would know you more. Let that be our prayer this evening. We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless.